Wonderful. Thank you, Father, for this glorious day. And I ask God that we would be hearers of your word today, that we would hear it, we'd receive it, and we would go out and we would take it and apply it to our lives. And everybody said, amen. And everyone watching online said, Amen. We'll say amen for them. But you know what? We're so pleased that you're tuned in. We're so glad that you're in the room. My name is Becky, for those that might not have met me yet. And you know, you're already part of my family, whether you like it or not. I hope that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. But you know, I have a word for you today. And I'm really expectant for what God's going to do. So let's just get our hearts ready, get comfortable at home, get comfortable. And we'll just go straight into it. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at this theme. We call them campaigns here because it's something we want to campaign over our life when we bring these themes to you. And this campaign has been called Generous. And I think it was about two weeks ago, um, about two weeks ago, Mike brought us a word about looking after our blind spots. He talked about a guy called Ananias who God sent to a guy called Paul to help cover him. And he talked about how one of the most generous things that we can do for one another is help cover one another catch the blind spots. And you know, sometimes when we think upon that, we can get a little bit discouraged if we can't easily identify the people in our life that love us that much and are that that generous to us that they have got us covered. I'm talking about the kind of people that don't just encourage you, but they sometimes tell you the things not only you want to hear, but you need to hear. The things that are going to challenge you to go further and to go faster. And sometimes when we look to our left and our right and we cannot identify those people around us, it can feel a little bit lonely and we can feel a little bit weak at times. But I'm here to remind you that in the seasons where the Ananias is in our life could be plenty or where they are few, we all have this generous gift in relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, before he left, he left with us on earth this very generous gift in the Holy Spirit that is left here, not just to encourage us and to love us and to protect us, but to challenge us, convict us, and all of that amazing stuff that sometimes we don't feel is generous, but it actually is very generous. And you know, sometimes that can be a real encouragement to us when maybe the Ananiases in our life have actually let us down. Or maybe, you know, what do you do when you've had an Ananias in your life who has supported you, inspired you in your faith, yet the very thing they taught you, they themselves end up walking away from? See, that stuff can be really, really tricky. And so it's in those moments we've got to thank God and we've got to make sure that we are clung to the special gift, the special relationship that we have in the Holy Spirit. So when Mike preached this message, I went away and this scripture came to mind. It's found in the Psalms and it talks about how we say, search me, O God. It says this, search me, O God, and, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Has anyone got any anxious thoughts today? Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, I don't often pray that prayer in my life. I don't pray it as often as I should because I end up thinking, actually, if I pray that, I know that God's going to speak to me and I don't want to get overwhelmed with all of the things that I need to sort out in my life. But I tell you, every single time that I have prayed that prayer, search me, oh God, God is more generous than you and I. He has always just brought just one word 
or one face or one name, just one thing that he wants me to deal with. It's never overwhelming. It's never overloading. So if you go sit in a corner and write a list of all the things that you need to sort out in your life and the things that you need to do better with, you, you might end up wanting to just die. But that's why we have to come to the Lord and come boldly to the Lord and confidently and just say, no, God, you search me. Let's not look to my left or my right. and Let's not look at myself to search me. But Holy Spirit, you search me. And in this moment, a couple of weeks ago, this is what the Lord said to me. And it's always, always, always not what I expected it to be. It's never one of the 100 things that I think God's going to bring to me to help sort my life out. And he said this to me, and I bring it to you. Because I don't know any other way to preach to you other than to just teach you what it is I'm, teach, I'm learning myself. And so he said this, Becky, I need you to have more grace. More grace. More grace. And I'm like, oh God, I didn't see that one come in. And for the next couple of days, I was like, yeah, okay, I need to give people more grace. I need to be more gracious in my life. I need to give out more grace. And I was really, really, really struggling. And then the Holy Spirit got me and was like, no, I didn't say give out more grace. I said, receive more grace. See, you won't have a problem giving out grace when you don't have a problem receiving grace. How many times do you remember to take up your daily grace for yourself? See, I love the scripture. I've said it before here and I'll say it again in Lamentations where it says every single morning his mercies are fresh. I love that because God's like giving us a reminder. Don't expect to go a single day without receiving my grace for your life. Stop living in yesterday's leftover grace. You have a fresh, box fresh delivery of grace and mercy every single day, not for you to just pass on to your neighbour, but first to open up and fill yourself up with first. More grace. And so I have titled this message for us today, Generous Grace. Generous Grace. And it might be time for some of you today, after so long, to just receive a generous helping of grace from the Holy Spirit for your life. And so I want to just talk about a couple of things, just to remind us of a couple of things about this glorious thing called grace. And the first one is this. This grace that we have is an undeserved grace. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Undeserved grace. And I know that you might be thinking, yeah, I get that, Becky. This is like Christianity basics. I don't need reminding of that. We all know that the grace that we have is undeserved. But do we really, really know? Do we really know that it's undeserved? Because if we really, really knew it was undeserved, then why is it that we keep trying to earn his grace? Why do we keep trying to lure his grace onto our lives? Why is it that we keep trying to walk without his grace? You know, sometimes we can, I think, get a little bit, I want to say offended by God when he tells us that we need more grace. Because sometimes we take that as an insult in thinking, well, if I need more grace, it means I'm getting too much stuff wrong. And you know, that's, not the, that's not necessarily the case at all. In fact, if, if you need God to enlarge your territory, if you need God to help you venture into another day and to give you more and expand you more, then you're going to need even more grace. So we mustn't see it as something that offends us. I think when grace gets next to us, it just reminds us that we're imposters of perfection. And so it gets us a little bit uncomfortable 
But you know, you can't do anything to deserve the grace. You can't do anything to earn the grace. And sometimes it looks like this in our lives. We can end up grooming grace, end up going, come on, grace. Look, look what I did for you. Come on, look at, look, look what I did to correct this. Look at, look at this. Look at the steps and the improvement I've made. Come on, grace. Like you're luring it. You're enticing it. And the Holy Spirit's like, I don't need you to woo me and wow me. I don't need you to earn and lure your grace. Stop grooming grace and grab hold of grace. Because you know what? Jesus did not die on that cross for you to mess about with your Christianity, trying to entice and groom the grace along. No, he died on that cross for you to fully, with both hands, grab hold of the grace that he poured out for us. A big, gigantic, gluttonous grab of his grace. If there was ever a time to be a gannet, it's this. Be a gannet with grace. Take, be greedy with his grace. And I think the Lord fully expects us to grow up in our spirit and start messing around and dancing around with grace like it's something that was to do with us. You know, we had nothing to do with grace, yet it was all for us. And Ephesians says this, it will come up on the screen, it reminds us, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We can't take credit for it. So just stop trying to lure it and just grab hold of it. It's an undeserved, unearned grace. And then the second thing I want to remind us of with this grace is this. We have an unfamiliar or like an unusual Grace, you pick which word you prefer. I'm going to go with unfamiliar. We have an unfamiliar grace. And what I mean by that is this. This kind of grace that we have, it's not usual. It's, it's not familiar, like it's not being dished out by any old person. There was only one person that was perfect. There was only one person that got crucified on that cross in order to give you this grace. It isn't usual. When the the guy said to Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? He was like, is it seven times seven? And Jesus was like, no, try 70 times seven. Why? Because our perspective of grace is so much smaller. We're unfamiliar with the uncontainable grace that we're talking about. And just because it's an unfamiliar grace, doesn't mean we have permission to be unfamiliar with it. We have to familiarize ourselves with this unusual, unfamiliar grace. I know it sounds like an oxymoron because God is so generous with this grace, yet it is unusual. And so some of the ways that we can get familiar with God's grace is just some some practical things. When I was talking to my son about what I was preaching about, because I told you before, he often asks me. And um, I just said, I'm talking about grace. And he said, well, what's grace? And I can you believe it? <laughs> That's why we probably need more grace in our household. Our children don't understand the concept of grace. And I said, you know what? I don't really know where to start. Let's just go and ask Google. So we went and asked Google, what does grace mean? And she gave us about nine different definitions of grace. And you know, these are, these are, this is just one of the other things that I think will help us with this definition of grace. She talked about how, you know, when you're with royalty, 
and you are dressed like a duke or a duchess, you say, you know, thank you, your grace, or good day, your grace. Like you address them with that name, your grace. And I think one of the things we need to start doing is getting familiar with the grace giver. Getting familiar with the one who is called the grace. I I challenged just a few weeks ago to be reminded to call God our Lord. It's not just our friend. He's not just our father. He's our Lord. And it takes on like a whole other dimension for us in our relationship with God. And this week, I'm challenging you to um, refer to him and address him as your grace. It's a bit peculiar, but he's actually royalty. And sometimes we're so removed from that that is royal and that that is, you know, kind of in a different whole, different culture and class setting. But we have to familiarise ourselves with it because guess what? When he took that cross, it meant that we were going to share in his priesthood. We were going to share and be co-heirs with Christ, which meant we were royal. And so we have to now get familiar what is so unfamiliar to to our flesh. You see, our spirit is familiar with this kind of grace. Our spirit man is familiar with this kind of grace, but our flesh and our humanity is so unfamiliar. And so this is why we need to get in the presence of his grace to make sure that our spirit is the one leading, that our flesh follows what's familiar to our spirit. And the other term that we hear, and we hear this often in period dramas, when they're addressing the grace, they, they'll say things like, they won't just say, hey, do you want to come hang out? They'll say, hey, would you, they probably won't say hey, but they'll say, would you art of thy gracious with your presence this evening? They'll say, will you gracious with your presence? I wonder how many times we are inviting the Lord to gracious with his presence? How many times are we giving ourselves to the Lord? How many times are we gracing the Lord with our presence? So if we want to get familiar with the grace giver, we have to get ourselves in the presence of him. We need to get ourselves in the presence of his grace on a regular basis. Because you know, when you enter the throne room, when you enter a royal place, you go out a little bit more different. When you've been with his grace, you kind of walk out a little bit more poised. You walk out a little bit more graceful. And so I want to ask us to regularly come into the throne. And this is what it says in Hebrews. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We have to come boldly into that throne room. And when we get alongside his grace, we carry out with us more patience. We carry out with us less frustration. We carry out with us more gentleness. We carry out with us a little bit more floating, a little bit more peacefulness. And here's the, here's the other thing. And the last thing I want to remind us to do with his grace is this. He has given us an uncontainable grace. An uncontainable or uh, an unlimited grace. And this one, this one I found a little bit tricky. Let's read the scripture to begin with. In 1 Corinthians it says this. But he said to me, my grace 
is sufficient for you. Everybody say sufficient. Everyone at home say sufficient. Sufficient. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, if God's grace is so sufficient, like so sufficient, why do I feel that it sometimes feels inconsistent? Why, if God's grace is so sufficient, do we see pockets of slavery across our nation? Why, if God's grace is sufficient, do we receive the negative bill of health from the doctor? Why, if God's grace is so sufficient, do we have to hear yet again about our young people being snatched away by cancer? If God's grace is so sufficient, why, why, why does this happen? Because if it's uncontainable, why at times do we just feel that we're so contained or that the grace of God is just unreachable and untainable? And I, I actually don't have all the answers. I haven't figured it all out yet. But I, I came to settle on this, that it's not that God's grace isn't sufficient. It's just that we haven't seen it come to full fruition yet here on this earth. You see, there's nothing broken about God's grace. There's nothing containing about God's grace. It's that we're in a broken world and we're broken people. And so his unlimited grace, it is pouring down. But there is so much brokenness in our world. It's like we haven't seen it in all its glory, but it's not that it's unlimited. And often I think about it like this. God gave me this kind of picture. That grace is a little bit like scaffolding around us. And we don't like scaffolding because scaffolding can be an eyesore. Scaffolding doesn't look nice. Scaffolding lets everybody know, know loud and clear that this thing is broken and this thing needs repair and this thing has fallen down. That's another reason why we don't like grace because it lets everyone know loud and clear that we need fixing again and again. And grace is like a scaffolding. And as his people, we are under construction. See, grace isn't under construction. God's grace is uncontainable. But we, his people and this earth, we are under construction. And God's grace comes like a scaffolding around us. And it holds us up and keeps us built up and keeps us getting our strength while we go about in our humanity and in this broken world. And instead of being upset with the scaffolding, let's just thank God for the scaffolding and let's ask God for more of his grace on our lives because there is so much benefit in the scaffolding. People will say that Christianity is like a crutch. I think it's J. John or some famous evangelism, evangelist that has said this. But I thank God for the crutch. Because if you are hobbling around, you'd be thankful for the grace crutch. And I think it's really interesting. Worship team, you can start to come back now. You know, the great men and women in the Bible, they were not removed by adversity. They faced adversity. We think about Abraham, one of the most blessed men 
one of the biggest men in the Bible that you saw how graced he was. There was so much grace on his life. But he, he walked with a limp. So he got himself in the presence of his grace. He had a dream one night where he literally wrestled with God. And he was like, I'm hanging on, Lord. What he was like basically saying is, I'm hanging on until you grace me. I'm not letting go until you've blessed me. See, that's the kind of hunger I think God wants from us. This is the kind of hunger we've got to get in our soul for the grace of God. I'm hanging on. I'm not letting go until you have blessed me or you have graced me, Lord. And that morning he got up. And I believe he walked away graced and blessed. He was one of the most blessed men in our history. But he walked still with a limp. Even Paul, who wrote that scripture, who said, my grace is sufficient. Before he said those words, he pleaded with God to take the fawn out of his flesh. And God was like, I'm not going to do that. But you know what? My grace is sufficient. Even Jesus himself was speared in the side. His body was broken. Yet he was the very definition of grace. And so if Jesus has demonstrated that grace is sufficient, even though we can be broken, even though we can see brokenness in my world, then I think we're going to be okay. And so I want to end with this last thought. And then we're going to sing a song. I recently, I've been getting really, really frustrated with something. I cannot stand flies. <laughs> You're laughing, Lars, but you aren't laughing if it's Mike. Because I tell you, when there's a zzz, like mom hits the roof. Like all of a sudden, I see red. I see anxiety. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's bad, isn't it? And I, the whole house has to halt while we go to war to find where the zzz is coming from. And you know, with the heat coming, the flies get worse. And not only that, you open the windows, you open the doors, and I love fresh air. And so, you know, I feel like they're now dictating my freedom. Talk about, you know, lack of freedom this season. I blame the flies for my lack of freedom when I can't let the fresh air in because there's zzz, it sends me into an anxiety shock. And so you know what I did? I, I purchased, purchased myself one of those, what do you call them? They're like zappers, swatters. I didn't just get a, a swatter. I got an, a bat. I got an electrical bat so that when those things came in, I could like, I had control back. And you know, now when it happens, everyone goes quiet in the room and everyone makes space wherever we are and all the kids are watching like it's a scene out of Wimbledon as we miserably try to knock out this fly and sometimes it just gets more frustrating if it's one of those quick ones and you just can't get it now if it's one of those ones that have been secretly slyly hanging about the house for a while they've got a bit slow and when you get it it makes its last I know it was weird Every time it happened, I was like, God, I'm not really sure if this is healthy, this kind of achievement that's welling up inside of me. I mean, what's next? Am I going to go and kill rabbits or something? I don't know. I was getting a little bit worried. But you know, this week, last week, I, I went to bed and I then began to dream of the zzzz. And as the dawn came, is that the right one? The morning, dawn. And I began to wake. I realized this was not a dream. Zzz, boom. A fly literally hit me in the head when I was in bed. It didn't die. It carried on. Zzz, 
And I, in that moment, literally, this is how bad it's got, I audibly blame God. I went, God, you have got to be kidding me. And that's when I knew I had a problem. And that week, God just said to me, you know what, go and Google the flies. And I was like, God, this better help me. Go and Google the flies. And what I learned about flies is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? If flies did not exist in our world, we would be drowning in carcasses, in poop, in rubbish, in rotting flesh. If the flies did not exist, we would be living and probably dying in our own pollution. And you see, it's just like grace. Grace comes around our life and sometimes it irritates us because it's going zzz, zzz. Sometimes it's touching things in us that we want left alone. Zzz, zzz. And so what we do, instead of grabbing hold of it, And instead of trying to entice it or groom it, we start whacking it and trying to just get it out and trying to defend ourselves. And no, don't mess with that. And no, that's all right. And no, don't shine a light on that. We try and no, don't touch that. I can sort that out by myself. And this is what we end up doing. We start treating grace like it's a nuisance, like it's the flies. And you know, the flies come and they like literally hoover up and suck up all of our poop and all of our mess. It's just like grace. It comes and it just clears up all of our mistakes, all of our mess. What a gift of the flies to our planet. And you, that's not all you're ready for the last thing that I learned. Are you ready? This is going to blow your mind. What I then learned about the flies is this. Not only does it clean up our mess, But there is only one species that does this next job. See, I I also began to learn that flies, they also pollinate. You know, we've heard a lot about the bees and how we need them. We need to save the bees because they pollinate and make sure that we have all the plants and things. I'm looking at people in the room that are nature people that know this stuff, just for a nod. But they, they make sure that we have all that we need. Now, flies actually pollinate. Let me tell you about this one fly. I think it's from the Midgey family. Let me tell you what they pollinate. They pollinate the cocoa bean. It's the chocolate. There is a Pacific fly that pollinates and gives us chocolate and it's the only thing that does it. Can you believe it? If you're not a chocolate fan in the room, stay with me because what I'm trying to describe to you is that chocolate is a gift. Chocolate is a treat. Chocolate is a sweet thing that sometimes we need when we are down and when we are hurting and we need the energy and we need the caffeine. Sometimes it is just the sweet little glaze of the Holy Spirit that comes in our lives just to make it for no reason, just just because He wants to, because the Lord wants to make life a little bit sweeter and a little bit better. And so not only do the flies take away our rubbish, but they give us some back for no good reason as well. They go, here you go, take a gift, take a treat, and that's just like grace where it gives or takes away all of the rubbish and gives us back the best gift of all the treats in our life come on let's thank God for His grace come on let's raise our hands let's put our hands together if you're at home let's just thank God for His grace God we thank you we thank you to the, for your grace and if you're in the room why don't you just stand to your feet Because I'm going to pray.
Lord God, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that your face shines upon us and that you are so gracious to each and every person that is listening right now. Lord, I ask that we would be a generation that would fully grasp the concept that we have this undeserving, unfamiliar, yet unusual, uncontainable, unlimited grace that's on our lives. Lord, I'm sorry when we haven't grabbed hold of that. Lord, I ask that this kind of grace that we have, that we would pass it on to generation to generation, to our children's children's children, that they would be blessed, that they would be graced. I thank you, God, for your grace. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's sing this song.